It's great you're joining us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. I'm host Carrie Freeman, coming to you from Atlanta in November 2020. And today we're talking about plastic recycling and the rumors and facts on how to get plastic recycled properly in today's international market and why it's so important to recycle plastics and to reduce our society's dependence on this non-biodegradable petroleum-based substance. Our guest is Peggy Whitlow Ratcliffe, Executive Director of CHARM. CHARM stands for the Center for Hard to Recycle Materials. CHARM is the drop-off facility that I use, which is south of Grant Park here in Atlanta, for items too bulky, harmful, or toxic to leave at the curb for curbside recycling. CHARM is an initiative of Live Thrive Atlanta, a nonprofit that promotes awareness of the benefits of proper waste disposal to keep trash and toxins from polluting our land and waters. Their website is livethrive.org. Live Thrive's executive director is Peggy Whitlow Ratcliffe, our guest today. Let me tell you about her. Peggy drew the inspiration to found Live Thrive Atlanta from her experience as a caregiver throughout her mother's long-term illness. During that period, she created a website, Living Green Pages, as a local resource to improve personal and environmental health. To promote the website, she organized several recycle collections for non-curbside items and found that many Atlanta residents were pursuing opportunities to preserve their health and community environment. The success of the recycling collections led her to organize the first household hazardous waste collection for the city of Atlanta in 2010. Live Thrive Atlanta expanded from a blog to nonprofit organization to more actively engage resources to provide events and education that promoted a healthy environment. And in 2015, Live Thrive Atlanta opened the Charm Center for Hard to Recycle Materials, which has diverted over 100 million tons, 100 million tons of harmful waste from our water system and landfills of Metro Atlanta. Peggy was born and raised in Atlanta and received her bachelor's degree in education at Georgia State University, which is where I teach. Welcome, Peggy. Thanks for having me. Nice to talk to you, Carrie. Yeah, I love having you on. So, okay, we'll start with just a broader basic question. Why are plastic items in particular so important to recycle and to keep out of our waterways and landscapes? When plastic gets into the water system, it takes approximately 700 years to decompose. And only 700? Yeah, just 700. Only 700. Columbus had come over with a ship full of plastic water bottles, we would still have those. That's a scary thought, isn't it? Yes. But as it it starts to decompose, the microfibers that make up the plastic break apart. And in the water system, fish consume them, which we in turn consume the fish. We have the plastic within us. It, It totally destroys, it can lock on to, um, you know, in the ocean into a coral reef. Mm-hmm. It can, you know, it just continues to uh, take its path on destruction, a path of destruction, basically. It was something that was created for us to make our life easier because it was light, it was disposable, but we never in big picture, what are we going to do that with this when we're done with it? And unfortunately, because it takes so long for it to biodegrade, we are living with the disaster that it's created, especially in our water system in the oceans. As you know, the, the major reefs that are in the Pacific Ocean with thousands of miles of plastic. 
all of the animals in the ocean uh, that have the, you know, plastic around their neck. We even yes. see birds, um, you know, birds that have consumed um, plastics now that, that, you know, they're passing away from this. So it's, you know, it is just a, a destructive path that we are on every time we use plastic when initially it was created to make our lives easier. It's amazing. Right. We didn't mean for this to happen, but yeah, this very convenient uh, item is like killing wildlife now. Absolutely. Um, Peggy, what has changed on the business side with opportunities for recycling plastics in the USA and in the international markets for recycled materials in countries like China? In other words, how have recent political and economic shifts affected our options for recycling plastic? Um, the bulkier plastics, it, it, that's what we were shipping over to China. Um, within the United States, 33% of plastic beverage containers in North America are actually recycled here in Georgia for the carpet industry. Okay. So there, so there is a use for those. However, when the price of oil is so low, it is less expensive to create new plastics with petroleum than it is to recycle it. When you put in play, how much energy does it take to reheat these plastics to actually melt them down to remold them into new plastics. It's less expensive and less labor intensive to go ahead and create new ones. Um, so the market is flooded with them. As far as a market for recycling, since it is so flooded and also the laws in place or legislation that is in place in most states do not allow um, the emissions that come from actually heating some of these like plastic number seven, the bulkier um, plastics up, the emissions are so damaging that we don't do that here. So we were shipping a lot of those to China and other Middle Eastern countries to recycle them and make new things and send them back to us. Um, I think one of the things to think about that since China has stopped taking these plastics from us, we need to look at it, find the silver lining with this, is we need to bring it back home and figure out how do we create containers or things to replace these plastics that are recyclable, biodegradable, um, reusable, as opposed to continuing to create these inexpensive um, packaging, basically is what it is. How do, we, how do we do that? We need to put legislation in place which we just had an opportunity with election to, to make those changes. But that's where the changes are going to come from is putting the responsibility back on the manufacturers that we have here in the States that are creating these plastic containers. I'm so glad you made that point. I think that's such an important point that we're all as consumers getting overwhelmed as much as we even try to avoid plastics in our lives. Cause I do try, but I mean, I still end up with plastic. And so I feel like I'm still sure. having to recycle a lot. Um, and I would appreciate it if the manufacturers and retailers made it easier for me and everyone else by not by giving us um, containers that are um, biodegradable. And right. so this should be a bigger priority to phase out yeah, plastics. And um, you and I were just chatting that we wish that we had seen that issue come up in the presidential election campaigns. Like, what's your plan to get off of our addiction to plastic? <laughs> and see what happens with that question, because we do need to find another way, especially since we can't just ship it overseas and make it someone else's problem. 
Exactly. I mean, the good news is, you know, like I said, the 33% of the beverage containers are recycled here. Georgia is actually number two in the nation for remanufacturing recycled material and plastic is a large piece of that because of the carpet industry. So as long as we still have it, we need to find a way to properly dispose of it, reuse it, recycle it until we can replace it with packaging that is biodegradable, that is plant-based, um, that it does decompose when we're done with it. So that is the good news that we do have some outlets for some of these plastics, but most we do not. Okay. Now to help dispel any concerns about plastics not ultimately being recycled, what do you do with the plastics dropped off at the charm facility in terms of where you send the plastics or what other types of materials they get converted into? Um, plastic one, which is your water bottles, your clear, more uh, pliable plastic, all of those we send to um, Mohawk to be made into carpet. So the, the number on the bottom, because there's a lot of confusion about that, what does that number mean? really the easiest way for the consumer to think about this is how recyclable is this material. So number one plastic is the most recyclable material that we buy. So if we have to have these water bottles, we need to make sure they get recycled because they do produce another product, which actually provides jobs and also, you know, stimulates our economy by creating something that we actually sell here in the United States um, or in the state of Georgia, basically. So that's plastic one. The plastic two is also a more uh, pliable plastic as well, but it's usually, it's opaque like milk jugs, um, juice containers, soap containers. Those are plastic number two. Think about, think of it in this way, the more, as you go up in number, the more energy it takes to melt those down, to remold them, to make new plastics. At Charm, Plastic One, like I said, goes to Mohawk Industries to be made into carpet. Plastics two, four, five, and six actually go to Nexus Fuels and are made into a waxy material that is sent to Shell Oil that is made into new plastics. Some of it is also used for a fuel base, mixed fuel. So we do have an outlet for two, four, five, and six as well. Still number three and number seven, they are a lot more rigid and thick, heavier plastics. We do not have an outlet for those, which is very unfortunate at this yeah. time. Um, if you're just joining us on Radio Free Georgia, this is In Tune to Nature, and I'm host Carrie Freeman interviewing Peggy Whitlow Ratcliffe, Executive Director of CHARM, the Center for Hard to Recycle Materials in Atlanta. We're talking about issues with recycling plastic. The website is livethrive.org slash charm. Um, so this leads into the question of, in terms of the plastic materials you accept at Charm from businesses and the public around Metro Atlanta, what types of plastics like, could I bring there and what should I not bring? Okay, um, you can bring the plastic one is always recyclable. So we ask you to separate them by the number that is on the bottom. And the reason for that is it's easier for us to send them to be processed as well as contamination level is very low. So we take number one, two, four, 
five, and six, as well as plastic film, which is your grocery bags, your um, bubble wrap, your Amazon mailers. Um, That's a lot these days is, is that, yes. film, that filmy plastic, like you say, that comes in um, with Amazon or a lot of your, um, since a lot of us, because of the pandemic, are ordering things now. Exactly. Um, and they're coming with some kind of plastic bubble wrap type stuff. It's great that that can be recycled. And then like the kind of plastic bags someone might get from the grocery store or something exactly. like that. Okay. And fruit, if it, you know, our rule of thumb, and this sounds silly, but one way to, to test it is if it stretches, it's recyclable. If it crunches, it's not. And the crunchy is more things like packaging for grapes, yes. um, for vegetables, um, dog food bags, those things, those don't really have a market at this time. But the plastic film does. Actually, the uh, plastics, since we reopened in May through August, we've had 111 tons of plastic come in to be recycled, which is fabulous that yeah. people are bringing it in to be recycled. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Yes, there needs to be a solution to this, but until there is, at least we have an option. Um, the Nexus fuel, you know, it's kind of the, the hierarchy of recycling. First, you want to make this to reduce it. The next thing is to be able to reuse it, then to recycle it, and then basically re-engineering it, making it into other materials like this biofuels or this wax to be made into um, to new plastic. And the last thing, of course, is to put it in the landfill. So what we're trying to do with everything that's brought in is to find an outlet for it. One of the plastics that's going to overwhelm us pretty soon is campaign signs. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's something that we've already been getting questions about. I did find an outlet and we will be taking those campaign signs if they're the corrugated plastic. We have an option for that, oh, um, that they're actually going to be remade. Okay, because I noticed Reverend Warnock's a lot of his are this, they're not, um, it, they're like a filmy plastic that you put right. over wire. And so they weren't like a hard plastic. And so I thought that maybe that he might've done that because it seems more recyclable to me. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, that. I don't know. But the, that's what I thought of when I got it. I was like, oh, <laughs> I think I can recycle this um, because I have another campaign sign from somebody previously that I just have sitting in my house waiting to find some way to reuse it, right? To cover it up with another sign or something. Right. Thank you. And I, I hope people running for office will think about that just like any of us in our lives whenever we're putting together some event or, you know, for the holidays or whatever, can we um, try to avoid plastic? Or if we do use it, try to find one that's much more recyclable. Exactly, exactly. And one last plastic that we all have had a, a lot of use, um, whether it be in packaging from ordering from Amazon or wherever, is also the takeout food, styrofoam. Uh, yes. Um, yes, styrofoam is one of those things that we wish it would go away forever. However, we do have an outlet for that. We have had eight tons of styrofoam since May. Um, which is just amazing to me. Most of it is because of people ordering online, but we do have what's called a densifier that actually compresses the styrofoam and it goes straight to Dow Chemical and is made into insulation. So right now we have an outlet for clean, dry styrofoam. So it, people shouldn't bring in something that's got grease all over no. it, like from spaghetti sauce or something like that. But if, it, if it's something they could clean out, 
um, that's made of styrofoam and it's not dirty or greasy, then they can bring it to you. Because otherwise, I think that's one of the things that usually your curbside recycling doesn't take styrofoam. Right. And so I've always saved it if I come up. I try to not have it at all in my life, but when it does come to me um, or I pick it up off the street, uh, I'll save <laughs> it and take it to to charm because it's one of the only places that I know that you could, you know, that you could take it. Cause I'll see on the street, like Chick-fil-A and like, right. I think it's like quick trip or some of these um, yes. places right. I see repeatedly these right. styrofoam cups all around. And it, it annoys me too, that they, that those retailers <laughs> would still be giving out styrofoam to people on a daily basis. That's true. We were fortunate enough to be given a grant to receive this uh, densifier, which it's been amazing that people are really excited that they can bring this stuff in because it is, you know, if your favorite place is Chick-fil-A or Quick Trip to get coffee or iced tea, those cups, we do get a significant number. We have some pretty dedicated moms that, that bring those cups down to us. And what are some ways though, let's say, even if you wanted to go to one of those retailers, could you bring your own cup? Maybe sometimes like, what are some ways that you think people could reduce their dependence on plastics in the first place? You know, taking the, the, if you go out to dinner and you want to take food away to be able to take your own containers with you. Um, yeah, I know you're going to have leftovers. So go ahead and bring yeah. some Tupperware. Exactly. And, uh, you know, when COVID started, I don't know if it's changed. They were not allowing you to use your reusable cups. Um, oh, because of sanitary. Exactly. Yeah, with being sanitary. Mm. So, and you know, I think checking with wherever you're going to get coffee or, or soda to check to see if they'll allow you to use your reusable cup, because that is the answer for that. Yeah. Um, just use always having your reusable cup to take with you and then a takeaway you know, Tupperware, whatever it may be um, with you to take from dinner. And bags too. Like if you have some yes. always kind of tucked everywhere in the trunk of your car or in your purse, <laughs> the reusable bags, bags all the time, reusable bags. Uh, that way, if you have an impromptu shopping trip or something, you don't have to get a plastic bag. Right. That's exactly right. And I think sometimes also when you're choosing at a store, which item to buy and you have several choices from manufacturers, see the one that doesn't have it wrapped in that, like a hard plastic or something. Like exactly. who's got it in more of a cart, like a um, cardboard container or something like, cause then the manufacturer is actually thinking about this and they should be rewarded by you buying their product. Um, or if it says it's fully recyclable or something like that. Right. I mean, it, it's something that we need to start thinking at the point of purchase. What is the packaging? Yeah. What, and what's the whole life cycle of this? Yeah. How long am I going to be using this? Do I even need it? And what could I do at the end, you know, when, when it, I'm done with it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you, I'm just, this is kind of a, like a broader question, but my feeling is just that we have a moral obligation as a society to divert as much um, waste as possible from landfills, because if they go to a landfill, it's gonna stay there forever. So like, is, is, are there some countries or states where the municipalities or the government actually subsidizes recycling? Cause I mean, here we have to, we're, we're at the mercy of the markets, but yeah. I mean, it seems like we really like whether it's profitable or not, or if it takes a little bit more money or something, I feel like we need to 
try to, you know, recycling is a way of reusing. And so like, shouldn't we be trying to get everything we use and keep it from the landfills? I totally agree. Um, you know, in some of the northeastern states, as well as out west, specifically the original Charm facility is in Boulder, Colorado, and they have legislation in place that if you put certain things in your curbside bin, your trash bin, like electronics or paint, or um, I'm trying to think all the Especially other like things. something with hazardous Clothing. materials in it. Well, hazardous materials or yeah. even things that could possibly be reused okay. like clothing, they oh. receive it, they're, they're fined for that. Wow, yeah. Right, I mean, we need, because just like we're obligated to not throw trash on the street, I also think we, we should be obligated to recycle, <laughs> like that this yeah. should be as big of a part, but sometimes we need help with that. And so like, do we have politicians and policies in mm -hmm. place to enable us to do that and to reward us, you know, for doing that. Unfortunately, um, yeah, unfortunately in the state of Georgia, we have 159 active landfills, which is more than any other state east of the Mississippi. That's so, like one for each county. No, it's not actually, that's what I used to think as yes. well. DeKalb County has three on their own. So they're dispersed throughout. It's, a, it's an equal opportunity of landfills in the state of Georgia. So yeah. you can have, when there's a larger uh, population, it seems there's more landfills there. City of Atlanta does not have one. Those have all been closed. Um, and because of zoning, that, that's why there's no new ones. And there's really nowhere for it to go. Right. And a lot of times denser populations put these things off on rural communities. Exactly. And, and poor communities end up, and it's difficult for them and um, not fair to them really. So, yeah. okay, well, in wrapping up, if local listeners want to avoid putting things in landfills and so they're interested in recycling plastic or hard to recycle materials at your charm facility, tell us where it is and when they can do that. Absolutely, we're open Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. It is by appointment during this COVID time. Okay. So you go to our website, livethrive.org, and in the top right-hand corner, it says appointment register. We are in the south side of Grant Park. Um, it's very easily accessible and it's we having appointments, the advantage I will say in having the appointments, it we get you in and we get you out. It's right. it's easy, it's organized. Um, we try I've to done it several times and seen you there, <laughs> I think each time. Yeah. So yeah, and so everybody kind of just drives their car or vehicle in a circle and gets mm -hmm. out and then waits for the person in front of them. But that way you know there's not going to be 50 people there. Exactly. And if there's any questions about that on the website, livethrive.org, um, in the appointment scheduler, there is a video showing you exactly how everything's set up. So that if you want to organize your car, that everything is set up, you know, by station, that will be very helpful as well to get you in and out. And online. Yeah, at livethrive.org, you can also see what all the different items we've been talking just about plastics today, but I mean, people can bring in mattresses and um, clothing and you know like there's so many things that people can recycle there and certain types of electronics and so there's a list on your website so people can be prepared um, when when they come yes that's absolutely awesome. yeah well that's the end of our show but I want to thank you Peggy for being with us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program and thank you for providing Georgians a place to recycle hard to recycle materials and hazardous materials to protect our land and water. 
Thanks for having me, Carrie. And I look forward to seeing you at Charm soon. That's right. I got to make another appointment. <laughs> okay. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to In Tune to Nature, broadcasting every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time online at wrfg.org and on Atlanta radio station 89.3 FM. We post action items, news, and podcasts on the show's website, facebook.com slash nature. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of WRFG, its board, staff, or volunteers. I'm one of those volunteers. I'm host Carrie Freeman, asking you to please support independent, non-commercial media like Radio Free Georgia. And remember to take care of yourself and others, including other species. Thank you for listening. Cheers.